It's Thursday, January 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Charlie Travers. Happy Thursday, guys. Hey, hey Chris. Hey. Uh, we're going to talk Ford Motor. We're going to talk about the ripple effects from holiday retail, but we're going to start with technology. Shares of Nokia up more than 16% this morning after the company pre-announced quarterly results. Uh, they sold 4.4 million Lumia phones, or I should say they shipped 4.4 million Lumia phones. Uh, Charlie, that's not a huge number when you consider earlier in the week we were talking about Samsung selling 62 million, but this is about expectations, and this is seems like it was more than people were expecting. Yeah, it really was. I think people didn't know what to expect when the Windows 8 phones came out last November. And really, Nokia was sink or swim on how well these did. And apparently, this was good enough to please the market. Uh, I have a 920 phone myself. I think it's awesome. Uh, so I think the turnaround here is for real. And I think this is momentum that they're going to carry throughout the year. You're also a shareholder. so you're. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm gloating <laughs> over here a little you, you bit. You just have a big old grin on your face. Yeah, it was an awful 2012 for the most part. <laughs> But this year's shaping up real well so far. looking better. <laughs> Ten days in. Um, uh, what do you make of this, Jason? When you look at uh, obviously good results, and I, I don't, I don't want to rain on Charlie's parade, but it seems like after today, it would be reasonable for investors to say, okay, to take a step back and say, okay, but they're still way behind Apple and way behind Samsung. Yeah, they are, but I do think that what we're seeing, I think, is a trend for these phones. I think we're seeing a lot of these companies kind of come back to the pack a little bit, try to, trying to produce a lower-cost phone. And so the news, for example, with Apple trying to make a cheaper iPhone, I think, is is a good example of them recognizing the fact that the the majority of this market is looking for an affordable phone. And you know, were it not for the subsidies that we get here, an iPhone will cost someone something around the neighborhood of $650 or something. Right. So I do think that, that Nokia has a, a, a little bit of a bright spot here to look forward to in that they have a phone that's obviously in some demand. I think it's catering to a market. Uh, yeah, they're going up against against uh, Samsung and the Android operating system. But I, I do think that there is a market out there for this phone, and, and I, I trust Charlie's opinion. And I've seen the phone myself, and I, I think it, it's a nice product. And so I think they do have some, some room to run here. So they sold 4.4 million of the Lumia Windows phones, but globally they sold 86 million devices worldwide, and that's a much bigger number. Right. Uh, if you look at the iPhone, they'll sell 30-something million every quarter, which is a ton. And uh, you'd want that Lumia number to track up into the 10, 15 million range. But if you look at the bigger picture of all the smartphones, all the dumb phones that Nokia sells, the number's very large it globally. Is. And, and you look at that total market opportunity there of somewhere in the neighborhood of 6 billion potential smartphone uh, users out there that aren't that aren't on board yet, and so it's it's not like they have to go in here and win this game. They just need to take part in in the movement, and I think that uh, this is a nice step in that direction. Well, one other game that Nokia is involved in that they appear to be, uh, if not winning, Charlie outright. Certainly, they're doing a better job of is sort of their networking business with Siemens, uh, Nokia Siemens, where they're competing with the likes of Alcatel, Lucent. Uh, part of this. I know the Lumia phones, that's getting the headline today. But when you dig into their uh, pre-announcement a little further, you see that the operating margins on, on that side of the business are looking even better than before. Right, Chris. The the Nokia Siemens Network's joint venture has long been an albatross for the company. And when Stephen Elop came in as CEO, uh, you know, the headlines were the phones, but this was another part of the business that needed massive restructuring. And they got out of areas of the world that were not profitable for them. And you're starting to see that show up in the results right now. Uh, just to wrap up on Nokia, what should 
people be looking for uh, not only when they officially announce earnings, but really over the next three to six months, what's the thing as a shareholder that you're going to be watching most closely? I think you have to look for their next phone. Uh, one of the knocks on the Lumia 920 is that it's too big and heavy. There are rumors floating around that they're going to move from the polycarbonate shell over to an aluminum body like an iPhone to make it lighter and thinner and more competitive. Uh, hopefully that gets announced sometime over the summer uh, because you know Samsung and Apple are going to have new phones coming as well. Nine months ago, Ford Motor started paying a dividend after taking a break of more than four years. Today, Ford announced it is doubling the quarterly dividend. Jason, they're doubling it from $0.05 cents to $0.10. Cents. <laughs> so, obviously, not a huge amount of money. And yet, it, it seems like a, a pretty significant move, particularly when you look at the time frame where they had this you know, time period of not paying a dividend. And then, I don't know, it, it, Should I? am I reading too much into this to think that this is a, a pretty bullish sign? I don't think you're reading too much into it. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it's only it's only going from $0.05 cents to $0.10. Cents, but looking at it from, from the, the bigger context of the fact that they weren't paying a dividend for quite some time and, and just the position that our uh, automakers were in for, for a number of years here with the financial crisis, I think it is a, a good step uh, in the right direction. We, we were looking at market share numbers going from 2000 2011 to 2012, and GM and Ford both lost market share in that in that time period. Uh, and with the North American International Auto Show uh, getting ready to kick it into gear next week, I, I do think that this is an indicator that they really are taking this as as a you know a, a sort of a, a nice step for 2013 to really get some new products out there in front of people. I think they believe in what the products that they I think they believe in the products that they have. And you know there are some things with Ford that we there's some constants that we know of now like with with Alan Mulally for example. We know that he's going to be the CEO through 2014 now. So there is some some certainty in that regard. And if uh, you look at actually the sales, I mean for the second consecutive year they topped 2 million vehicles sold, uh, making it the only brand to do so since 2007. So the demand has been there for the Ford brand, and I think they continue to come out with with vehicles that people want to buy. So, I, I, yeah, I think this is a great sign. Charlie, uh, when you look at dividend increases, how much emphasis do you place on them? Because it seems to me like certainly we saw at the end of 2012 there were companies that were bumping up their dividends or paying one-time dividends just for tax purposes, and yet to what I was saying earlier, this move by Ford seems like uh, I, it seems to reflect a confidence in their financial strength. Um, but I'm just wondering, when you look at dividend increases, how do you take them? I, I like to look over dividend increases, not just for the last year, but over the last decade as a whole, as a sign of a business that is really strong fundamentally and that it has a willingness to pay out shareholders. Uh, so I'd like this to be a beginning of things to come for Ford over the next five years. You'd like to see that keep ticking up year after year, uh, because if you buy shares today, it's nice to have your income check every quarter just keep going on up. Uh, Jason, shares of Ford up this morning on this news. It's a new 52-week high for Ford Motor. What do you think of the stock in terms of its valuation? Yeah, I'm still a little bit torn on the uh, the U.S. the U.S. automakers in particular. I feel like they are facing some genuine headwinds, not only in uh, just a questionable picture here in the states, but also with European operations. So. The short run, in the next couple of years, I do feel like there are some headwinds that they're facing. But with that said, I think that an investment today in these automakers, they are at at relatively inexpensive levels. And if you have the desire to hang on to these stocks for long periods of time, I I think they're, they're worth a bet. 
uh, before we wrap up with our final story. As I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, our Supernova service is opening up to new members. This is uh, David Gardner, co-founder of The Motley Fool, the service that he runs. And we've set up a free microsite you can check out. The URL is whatsinsidesupernova.fool.com. That's whatsinsidesupernova.fool.com. There are a whole bunch of videos. There's really a guided video tour from David with some of his top stock picks in areas like 3D printing, personal wellness, social networking, entertainment, etc. Um, and it's all free. So check it out at whatsinsidesupernova.fool.com. Finally, more evidence today that uh, not everyone had a great holiday. Um, <laughs> Tiffany and Errol Postel were among the companies that shared disappointing profit outlooks for late 2012. Uh, and Jason, when you look at Tiffany, sales for the end of 2012, they were up 4%, but that was really at the low end of the expectations that they had set. Yeah, and I don't think that's really terribly surprising. I mean, we've been sitting here talking about this fiscal cliff garbage forever, it seems like. And I think a lot of people were really hesitant to get out there and spend freely. I mean, there, there were, you know, with the companies, you mentioned the special dividends that were coming in at the end of the year. And I think a lot of people with, with the, you know, the cloudiness on the horizon, it's exactly the tax implications uh, going forward for their paychecks, for our paychecks, for everyone, really. And so I, I think that tempered spending a, a little bit. So you look at it from on the one hand with something like Tiffany, and yeah, that's, that's a very expensive consumer discretionary luxury there. And I could see why people uh, would be holding off spending on, on you know, expensive items like I know, jewelry. I know I wasn't helping <laughs> Tiffany out at the end no, of the year. I, I think with something like an Aeropostale, it's a little bit different in that you look at just the margin picture with Aeropostale and you can see that their sales, while they're not so stellar, they're also really having to cut rock bottom prices just to move inventory out of the door. And, and a good example of that is just to look at their their margin picture over time. And if you look at just Aeropostale's gross margin in 2007 was 41 percent. Today, it's 33.4. And that all carried down to bottom line uh, trouble as well with a net margin in two, uh, 2007 of 8.1 percent versus 2.6 percent today. So that's just an indicator that they are having to really slash prices to get stuff out of the door, and it's making them less profitable. Sales per square foot are essentially flat over that time period. And that's what you get with these types of retailers like Aeropostale. Is you, they're value plays. You have to get in. Price really matters with them. And so now, I think today, it, it actually starts to look a little bit more interesting because the market has just sold it and run away. But who knows? Uh, Charlie, not surprisingly, Aeropostale cut their fourth quarter earnings forecast. Um, and that's got to be troubling for them when you consider that for a lot of retailers, November and December, that's that's an enormous amount of revenue on their annual basis. I mean, for some retailers, that can make up up to 40% of their annual revenue. But to Jason's point about the stock price and how interesting it gets, I'm curious how you look at retailers, how you distinguish sort of when you see something like this, what is a retailer that is in trouble versus what is a retail stock that is now on sale? Yeah, that, that's a very tough distinction because uh, we thought Aeropostale was on sale a year ago when we bought it at MDP, and it's been a rough year for us the whole time. And I think a, a cheap stock is uh, looking even cheaper, but you have a bad company getting even worse, and that's the problem when you're trying to do some bargain hunting in this space. Uh, in contrast, I think you want to look for some of the best-of-breed companies that have the opportunity to take their brand worldwide, companies like Starbucks and Coach that have fat profit margins, not thin profit margins. And I'd say just a couple of points to that is also looking at Aeropostale, you compare it to some of its peers in in the industry, looking at their saturation point, how many more stores can they open? Is there going to be top line growth opportunity there? And I think with Aeropostale, they're, they're 
probably hitting hitting that point where they can't really open too too terribly many more stores. Uh, but with that said, you also have a company with a very healthy balance sheet, so that's a plus. So we know they're not going to be any type of of bankruptcy situation. But yeah, you have to wonder: is it a value trap, or is it just something that uh, you know has a chance to to see better days? Is the lesson here: never bet on teenage fashion? Because I love my teenager, but I'm not betting a dime. I'm not investing a dime based on her personal retail choices in any given month or It's or very year. hard to get that right. And if you think about the setup of a mall, your customers could just walk 100 feet down to the mall to your competitor and just comparison shop. It's really competitive. Jason Moser, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.